0: Hello, this is Stanley Clark, and you're listening to your Morning Coffee, the podcast. Weekly music news for the new music business.
1: From HypeBot, hashtag IRespectMusic.com takes Fight for American Music Fairness Act to iHeartRadio's New York City headquarters. Yeah. From Root Note and Viberate, Music Trends 2022, How Artists Can Stay Ahead of the Curve. Yeah. From Music Business Worldwide, the three major music companies jointly generated over $20 billion last year. That's over $2 million per hour. Yeah.
0: And from Variety, Warner Chapel Chiefs Draw Battle Lines, in upcoming streaming royalty decision against spotify google amazon and pandora well we've got so much to talk about today this is episode number 79 kickback because here we go stand
2: by for transmission
0: this is london coffee. wake up the revolution is
2: at hand your morning coffee is on the air You're on the air on the air on the air.
0: Well, Jay, as we look at our things we're going to talk about today, it is, uh, it is wall-to-wall stuff that everybody needs to know about yeah. in the music space. It's unbelievable what's going on. Yeah. It's really a lot of things yeah. that, that are the bottom line for artists. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's really an
1: amazing time as, um, well, we'll get into it. Well, yeah, I mean, people, <laughs> people. Uh, music companies are making so much money right now and there's so much mm-hmm. of a you know a spotlight focused on fairness and making sure that you know songwriters are paid fairly. And uh, we're gonna talk about a piece, um, the hashtag IRespectmusic um with Blake Morgan. Um it's just it's absolutely amazing everything that's going on. But before we kind of get uh, going, I wanted to quickly mention this really cool piece that Bobby Osinski uh, wrote uh, for Hypebot. And the headline was Warner Universal Music Joins Sony in Canceling Unrecouped Advances for Legacy Artists. And I omitted this last week. Uh, inadvertently, and it's super important. And this week, it looks like um, Universal is joining in. Because So you'll remember last year, Sony made a lot of news by wiping out all the unrecouped balances from artists that were signed before the year 2000. And that allowed them to finally make some money from streaming, right? Um, and, and Which they hadn't really been doing because they owed money to the label. So now comes news that both Warner and Universal are going to be doing... Uh, the same thing soon. So although Universal didn't really officially announce it, um, it was reported in Music Business Worldwide that senior sources within the label indicated that the same would happen there in the next few months. So that's a major, major thing uh, when we're talking about fairness, which is kind of the the theme of of this week's podcast. It really is. It really is. And that is a wonderful step. And,
0: you know, I don't know really, you know... those legacy artists at the end of the day still have uh, royalty rates that are based on physical. And so they're still probably not making um, very much money. However, it is a step in the right direction. As you say, the, the if we have a global theme of today's show, it's really fairness because these conglomerates are, you know, they are valued at a tremendous amount of money and they are Fighting tooth and nail to pay as little as possible right. to the creators of the content, yeah. and it's very disappointing. <laughs> it's like, really, we have to have whether it's these these giant radio conglomerates that don't want to pay for the only country we'll talk about that in a second in the world that doesn't pay publishing. I'm it's sorry, that major, doesn't pay yeah, uh, artist major royalties. Right, uh, right, yeah, for for uh, when when their songs are played on the radio, mm-hmm. and. And then, of course, the whole thing with Spotify. And it's just, I, I keep coming back to the word galling. You know, it's like, really? You are building your companies on this content. Right. And you want to
1: stiff the people that created yeah. it. Yeah, well, i the good news is that there's a spotlight on it. People are talking about it. It's going before things like the Copyright Royalty Board. And, you know, people are mad as hell and they're not going to take it anymore. Um, which leads me beautifully into this next uh, thing, which is... I had a kind of a special section in your morning coffee this week and I made it green. So it was easy to see. And it was, uh, you know, we need to talk about Spotify and there were just so many great stories about all of these things, uh, about Spotify and everything that's going on right now. And there was actually one that I'm going to put in, um, next week's, uh, Morning Coffee because it came out a little bit too late from Rolling Stone and the headline was vilification is easy Spotify isn't the culprit says head of indie label 30 Tigers so you read things or you see headlines and you might think that you know Spotify is the devil Um, they're not but there are some things that they're doing and we'll get into that in a second that are upsetting uh, the apple cart so to speak so There were 10 stories, and we're not going to read those 10 stories, but I I just want to go through the headlines, and maybe you can help me out here. So that special section, We Need to Talk About Spotify, is from a spin article called We Need to Talk About Spotify. Right.
0: TechCrunch had a great article as well. A DJ with uh, 15.5 million streams made more money shorting Spotify stock for a month than he has in his whole music career. I'm sorry. I, uh, I'll have to go back and do this. So that's right. This, uh, art, that was high. Yeah, I, I got, I, yeah, that's all right. No, yeah, so, so let, me, let me do this. So, okay, so uh, from TechCrunch, a great article, Spotify will invest $100 million in content from
1: underrepresented creators, says CEO Daniel Ek. Ah, right. And then the one that you just mentioned from Hypot, that there was a DJ with 15.5 million streams who made more money shorting Spotify stock for a month than he has in his, quote, whole music career, end quote. From iNews, Spotify's,
0: uh, let's see, is this two thousandths of a pound? uh, Payments to artists prompt rock group Pocket Gods to release 1,032nd
1: songs. Yeah, see, uh, (laughs) people are starting to game the system there. From Variety, their headline was, Serves You Right, Spotify, Why Some Musicians Are Happy the Heat Is On.
0: Indeed. And from Music Business Worldwide, Spotify says it can't pay songwriters better to royalty rates. It's also spending $320 million on a Barcelona
1: sponsorship deal. Ouch. Mm. And Chris Castle had a really great piece in Music Technology Policy. The headline was, Spotify's ESG Fail Social. Yeah. And in uh, Trapital, Spotify and the Neutral
0: Platform Myth. Right. And then uh, from Protocol, How Spotify Uses Spotify. And then from American Songwriter, in their own words, why artists are leaving Spotify. So uh, it is full-on damage control in the, in, the, in the offices of Spotify, one would assume. Um, what, what that will, you know, in six months, I wonder what's going to become of that all.
1: Right, if anything. Right. And as we talked about last week, they were a little bit late to taking the uh, Neil Young and Joe Rogan situation seriously. And, um, mm-hmm. you need to get out in front of, uh, issues like that. <clears throat> and I don't know if it's going to blow over in six months. It just shows that, like you mentioned last week, you know, none of these platforms will be the big dog forever. Um, we've seen this happen yeah. time and time again, and a little mistake like this, uh, some would say a larger mistake, it needs to be controlled, uh, quickly. So lots to read about if you're interested in uh, Spotify and what's going on. So many different stories and different takes. But again, we're not going to read every one of these, but we just wanted to share some of the headlines with you. And that's just from one week. Yes.
0: Well, and it's interesting because, you know, for if you're for Spotify, so there's a lot of things, you know, as as they do when things kind of go sideways, uh, for companies or for humans, it's not just one thing; it's several things. And so we've got what we're talking about today, which is obviously this the whole Joe Rogan thing with Spotify. And then on the other front, it's it's their their lack of of uh, willingness to to come up and pay more for publishing, and you know the things that are going on with, with radio broadcasters. And so there's just a lot of things that are in the news, and a lot of things kind of attacking several flanks for the for the company. And yeah. You know, it really is damage control and how they handle it and how they deftly kind of maneuver it. Deftly, I should say, not deftly, uh, although maybe deftly is not incorrect either, (laughs) but how they deftly uh, try to, you know, try to control the spin. And as we've said again, and it's worth mentioning, they are uniquely, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? They are uniquely challenged in that they don't have, this is their only business. Yeah music distribution. They don't have a bigger side business that keeps the money coming in. They're not Apple. They're not Google. They're not Amazon. It's their core Uh, business. Uh, Spotify.
1: Even though they're getting into the, you know, podcasting world and some of their, you know, uh, ancillary products like the, you know, the car thing. um, It's you're right. It's their core business. And um, I'm, I'm watching as they're taking down some Joe Rogan episodes and they're, Mm -hmm. um, being more vocal with their policies, but is it a little uh, too little too late um will you know only time will tell um but it's it's just so fascinating that there's so many different stories on so many different fronts, and uh you know they're they're in the press a lot well and what you know what, what
0: could happen also is you know, Spotify, as we mentioned in the in the lead, and they're not the only company that is pushing back on on these uh, publishing rates. Um, but maybe that logjam might be broken by them really trying to do the trying to, to promote their brand and promote being good guys for artists, and maybe they will maybe switch sides on that. And who knows? Some, but there might be some interesting things that happen because they are in It'd such a, a good a PR
1: play. Point. Right. And, and yes, another thing that we haven't really talked a lot about is, you know, because it's it's not necessarily music, but, you know, these comedians are upset because yes. they're, you know, with with music, there's the underlying, you know, composition. And I, I like the analogy of thinking of that as the blueprint and then the master as being the, the house that was built from the blueprint mm-hmm. that anybody can build. Another version of that house but there's really only one original right so with with a song there's publishing and then there's the master but with comedy it's it's kind of a gray area and now these comedians have been fighting and it's not just spotify um it's all of the dsps to fairly get paid for both just like musicians do so it's another interesting twist Yes. And by
0: the way, completely changing the subject, I wanted to mention, so that Bobby Osinski article uh, that you talked about in terms of the uh, recouped, unrecouped advances is yeah. great. But there's also on HypeBot a great Bobby Osinski article on the TikTok algorithm and how it works. <laughs> Which I went into that rabbit hole after I finished the article about the Unrecouped Advances. So if you want to see how the sausages made it at TikTok, yeah. there's another great piece to to check out. Yeah. Bobby's a, a wonderful writer and a super, as we've mentioned many times, a, a guy
1: who, who who knows a
0: lot about a lot of things. Yeah, I've been on uh, so.
1: his podcast. Yeah. He's been on mine. Um, I, I have the a great deal of respect for Bobby and what he does with uh, – his uh music 3.0 blog and a lot of the things from his music 3.0 um, Bruce uses on Hypot which is great, and I'm I'm constantly reading his things because he's like an engineer producer kind of guy so he knows about gear in the studio and techniques and he's yes. written books on you know recording and producing and everything and all the different gear and but he also for a guy that's a really inside baseball kind of guy he also follows like you just mentioned tiktok and uh you know twitch and uh you know peloton or whatever you know all these kind of new revenue streams uh for musicians as well as uh dsps and all of that stuff so i wholeheartedly concur with you that uh you know you should check out bobby osinski and music 3.0 Absolutely. By the way, the guy that you're listening to on the other end of
0: my microphone and headphone set is none other than Jay Gilbert. He's the curator of the Your Morning Coffee newsletter, which, of course, of course, is weekly music news for the new music business and a former executive with Universal Music, Sony Music and Warner Music Groups, all of whom are (laughs) allegedly uh, getting uh, rid of uh, rid of those
1: those pesky, pesky. Yeah. Uh, unrecouped uh, advances that's so cool and, and and my uh my friend here mike edchard is a longtime host of sound and vision radio formerly of sst records warner music capital emi and universal music uh, where i met him um I, we almost kind of forgot to get into you know all of our sponsors and all of that because there's just so much to talk about this week and i'm, I'm really excited <laughs> yeah. to talk about that the the first story but i'll i'll Hold my tongue for a moment, and uh, for just for a moment, because we got to talk about the folks that help us yeah, put on the
0: show. And, and as Jay mentioned, we are so blessed to have some wonderful sponsors, including the Music Business Association. Uh, in case you don't know, you better know the four-day Music Biz 2022 conference agenda has just been announced, taking place May 9th through 12th at the JW Marriott in Nashville. None other than Jay Gilbert will be there, well, hanging out, yeah, buying drinks for everybody, hey, getting a little wait, crazy, wait, wait, getting what? a little tipsy. <laughs> <laughs> Along with returning favorites like the Metadata Summit, Hashtag Next Gen Now, DSP Workshops, and Brand Summit, to name just a few. You'll find timely new additions for 2022, including conversations on NFTs, gaming and immersive music experiences, catalog acquisitions, and much more. Uh, pop over to musicbiz.org, and don't forget to register for their upcoming live mm. stream. Let's Talk Physical, Successes and opportunities for physical music products. That's February 23rd at 10 a.m.
1: Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. That's right. Your Morning Coffee podcast is also brought to you by our friends at Bandzoogle, built by musicians for musicians. Bandzoogle is an all-in-one platform, makes it super easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music. All the features you need for a professional website, They're all built in hosting and a custom domain name, dozens of fully customizable design templates, tools to sell your music and your merch commission free, commission free crowdfunding and fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, social media integrations and live support from their musician friendly team. Seven days a week. Your morning coffee podcast listeners can go to bandzoogle.com. Try it for free. 30 days. Just use a promo code MORNINGCOFFEE, all one word, and you'll get 15% off your first year of any subscription. That's Banzoogle.com promo code MORNINGCOFFEE.
0: And we are also sponsored by HypeBot. Since 2004, HypeBot has chronicled the new music industry and the trends and technologies that are changing how music is discovered, consumed, marketed, and monetized. It's edited daily by founder Bruce Houghton with help from Owen Davis. HypeBot and sister blog, sister, sister blog music think tank are published by Live Music Discovery and Marketing Platform
1: Bands in Town. Yeah, speaking of Bands in Town, over 65 million live music fans trust Bands in Town to get personalized concert alerts, recommendations, and messages from their favorite artists. The number one artist services platform connecting over 550,000 artists with their super fans. Managers, labels, agencies, and artists access their own dashboard to manage and promote their tour dates across all platforms. Indeed. So, a big
0: thanks to Music Business Association, Band Zuko, Hypebot, and Bands Town. We are super, super appreciative of the support and the help. Yes. That we could not do without them. Yes. So, what do you say, Jay? Let's yeah. jump into our stories. Oh, my goodness, So many things to talk about. Uh, the first one from wow. Hype bon, uh, hashtag, uh, I Respect IRespectMusic takes flight, sorry, takes fight for American Music Fairness Act to iHeartRadio's New York City headquarters.
1: Yeah, this was written by uh, Bruce Houghton, our friend and sponsor. And uh, if you don't follow my other podcast, Music Biz Weekly, we had Blake Morgan on a few weeks ago, episode number 499. And uh, he he has just been fighting uh, to get uh, performers paid when their music is, is played on the radio in the United States. And as you mentioned, the United States is, you know, one of the only uh, major countries that doesn't pay artists the the performers when their music is played on the radio so what he did is he did a kind of a little publicity stunt last monday at iheart radio headquarters in new york and i saw this this tweet he put out um, that had photos of these three trucks with big screens on them and they just parked right out of iHeart uh, headquarters, and one of the screens said, did you know that iHeart doesn't pay performers when their music is played on AM, FM radio? This injustice has existed for decades. And then he tweeted out, um, proud to stand with uh, at Dion Warwick, at Man Sam Moore, and at Music First today, bringing the fight for music fairness to iHeart Radio's doors in New York City. It's time to respect artists, Take action. Hashtag, I respect music. Holy what cow. What a clever idea. And, you know, these are like kind of big box trucks, and they, instead of, you know,
0: on the on the surrounding, they have these gigantic screens. And what a clever idea. And just just to so everyone really understands, in every other major country in the world, when a song gets played on the radio, the, 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 the publishers, the, the songwriters of that song are paid, as are the artists that perform it. Here, for a decades it has been only the songwriters get paid not the not the folks right. not the master recording of the performers and it's a deal that was cut decades ago it, it was a crappy deal with uh with the radio stations in the, in those days i think it was going back to the 40s or the 50s um said you know we're giving you all this free publicity we shouldn't have to pay pay that nickel for whatever it is yeah this is promotion yeah, for, yeah and so they bought that and we've been stuck with that and there is a bill before congress uh um which will hopefully change yeah. that but it's th- this this has yeah. been tried to be changed for many many times and it's still we are yeah. still stuck with what is to me an incredibly unfair and again a galling right you know to for iHeartRadio yeah. radio to say they
1: can't afford it or they want to want to do it it's like Really? What is your... Well, they're making their business on the backs of these yep. performers. Um, and here's the argument is that, well, if, if, if we have to start paying for this, we're going to be out of business. But as Blake Morgan kind of educated me, it's like, no, it's a very small percentage of your business. And for a lot of like smaller radio stations, it's like $500 yes. a year. So, this is not going to put nope. you out of business. You're not going to have to fire your employees over this. This is just compensation for those performers when you're making money advertising revenue off of their backs. Come on. Uh, how can you argue against and, that? And iHeart is a gigantic
0: publicly traded company that is worth billions. And it's just like, how can you
1: say that with a straight face, you rat bastards? It's just,
0: <laughs> it's really? Oh well, I.
1: I saw this really cool thing um, that the Recording Academy posted because they're yes, in on this yes. too. And let me let me just read you what the Recording Academy posted. They said because of a loophole in the copyright law, radio broadcasters are allowed to play sound recordings without asking for permission from the artist who created it and without paying them any compensation. Yeah. Huh? yeah. Okay. Right. So anyway, uh, Blake Morgan. Uh, well, done, yes, sir. Um, it's nice to see kind of that old school publicity stunt tactic. And by the way, um, Blake Morgan's a recording artist as well as, you know, many other things. And it's it's really cool. Like I it's if you like power pop, we like we do, we do, of course, you know, if you yeah. like things like, you know, Tom Petty or, you know, just really melodic rock. Uh, check out Blake Morgan stuff on your favorite uh, DSP of choice. But uh that is just a fantastic piece uh, from HypeBot. Thank you, Bruce Houghton, uh, for uh, shining a light on that. Um, a lot of people don't know that these performers don't get paid when their stuff's played on the radio. So this is one of those many things about fairness that we're going to touch absolutely, on today. Absolutely, Absolutely, well, absolutely. Our next article is from uh, Root Note and
0: Vibrate. Music Trends 2022, How Artists Can Stay Ahead of the Curve. And again, a wonderful article that's super interesting and talking, you know, so again, some of these things that we, you think about potentially, but to kind of see it in an article all laid out is so handy. It's by Madeline Amos. Yeah. uh, And um, it's, let's, well, let's jump into it. This is five music trends for 2022 according to data. Uh, And so, of course, this is, the, the music data analysts, Viberate, have
1: released their predictions for music in 2022. Yeah. And before you jump yep. in, let me just say really quickly that um, I, I participated in a... Pardon, the, the dogs are going to go crazy right now because somebody's at the door. <laughs> um, there okay. You do what yeah. you do. Anyway, um, so Viberate, I, like I was saying, I, I participated in a, a live stream with them recently. I, I really like this company. Um, they're they're looking at data, and they're but they're making it actionable. And what's really cool is with this platform, you can kind of see trends with your, you know, your streaming and your socials and and that sort of thing. But you can see things like engagement, and you can also compare your artist or yourself with another artist, kind of see how you measure up maybe to see if you should tour together or you know it's just such a really great platform and I love their report um, which we'll have a link in the show notes to the report that this is sort of based on but uh, yeah go ahead and jump in because some of these things are you know you and I had predictions uh, at the you know end of last year and some of these concur with those and uh, let's let's talk yeah. about well. It. So uh, the number one thing is multilingual
0: artists go mainstream, and we've talked about this quite a bit actually. And as we look at the the uh, the regions that are, are where uh, uh, streaming music is is increasing dramatically, this of course plays right into that. It's as, as genres such as K-pop and Latin already thrive online, since there are little to no gatekeepers, which is kind of interesting. Um, that kind of concept which you know it's just but it's it's happening it says bts are in the top five of every one of vibrates lists of most popular artists even on soundcloud where the average top artists are american rappers like polo g bts are at number two proof that you don't need to sing in english to win big in the age of
1: worldwide streaming
0: super important yeah super important
1: and we have to add because uh, our, our friend uh, Bruno from CAA reminded yes. us how powerful Latin music Absolutely. is, especially Bad Bunny. Yes. And if we're going to talk about K pop and BTS, we need to talk about Bad Bunny as well. So the point I think is 100% accurate, uh, which is multilingual artists. You know, they're going to, I wouldn't say they're going to go mainstream, I, I would say they're going to continue. Uh, to have success, that mainstream success. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Uh, number two is, uh, I will get there, wait a second. <laughs> My computer is just not doing too, too well today. Uh, that's yeah, okay. Uh, personalize uh, everything. Personalized everything. Fan-first approach will drive an artist's success. And we have talked about that a lot as well. Um, how important it is to kind of really... Consider these, you know, which the the things that you can offer to your fans that are personalized and unique to you and to them, which is just, you know, it's we could because we can do it now, you know, for a long time, you couldn't really do this.
1: Yeah. 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 I, I think that this is spot on because I'm seeing this happen with artists. The thing that fans really want today is they want access, but they want to be acknowledged. Yeah. Um, and we didn't have that in the era that we grew up in. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's not like Queen or Cheap Trick would say, hey, Mike, <laughs> you know, thanks for coming to my show. Um, because we didn't have the social sure. media. We didn't have all of those things. But today, artists are very in touch with their fan base. Uh, and I think even for new developing artists, you know, developing those fans, engaging with those fans, and having these personalized things you know, whether it's a, a Patreon, for mm-hmm. example. Um, I'm seeing artists that are doing really well with, with Patreon. Um, there are things when you reach a certain level of uh, fandom, you know, things like Cameo, thrills.co.uk, OnlyFans. And, you know, we used to have Pledge Music, and that went out of business, and that's a whole nother show. Um, but there's a new platform that's in beta right now called Sonically, which is going to do some of that functionality. You and I were talking about, you know, one of our sponsors, um, Banzoogle. Well, they have that functionality and it's commission free. Mm -hmm. And I'm not being, you know, like saying that like an advertisement, I'm just saying it's a great thing. And I build sites in Banzoogle and you can have your merch and those experiences commission free. The other thing you and I talked about a little bit was how artists are really getting involved at a deeper level, with their fans, whether it's, you know, live streaming was one of them, but having, you know, signed lyric sheets that they sell or, you know, um, having these Patreon things where they communicate and and on socials, they've gotten so much better at um, having a relationship and a dialogue. And that's the thing. Look, I'm no expert on social algorithms, but I can tell you anecdotally that I've seen it work that if you have a relationship, if you have a dialogue with, you know, on socials, that that is engaging. And it also makes it spread out to more people. Mm-hmm. Right. If if you just post buy my album, see my show, buy my album, see my show over and over Um, you're kind of dead in the water and very few people are going to see it. That's why I tell people it's not the 80-20 rule, it's the 90-10 rule, meaning that 10% of what you post should be about commerce, whether it's buy my album, see my show. So anyway, the whole personalizing things, um, I think that ties into some other things that they have in here, like tipping which you and I talk about with Tencent. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a big deal. And I think it's going to be a bigger thing Absolutely. here. Absolutely. Um, uh, on this one, number three and number four are very similar. Uh, and number three is TikTok
0: will act as a career launch pad. Of course, more talent discovery and promotional efforts will be focused there. And then in general, number four, short videos will rule. Easily digestible videos such as TikTok will be the most useful promotional format. We are sure seeing that
1: right now. I mean, TikTok is just blowing up in terms of artist development, and it's remarkable. Yeah. Yes, and it's not just TikTok, and let's let's separate these two just yeah. a little bit. Definitely, TikTok is you know massive, and it's it's launching some careers. Um, but as I always say, it's the easiest platform to gain views, and the hardest to gain real engagement. Yeah. Um, I've seen artists get you know like a million views on something, but that doesn't mean they'll sell a T-shirt or uh, sell out a room. And short videos, I think this is huge because what I'm noticing is that the advertising, the targeted online advertising that's really working uh, for me and some of my colleagues right now are these bite-sized chunks, whether it's reels, you know, Instagram reels are doing really well right now, whether it's, you know, stories, whether it's, you know, these bite-sized chunk uh, videos that you alluded to, um people are flipping through their feeds. They have no attention span and you need those little clips to grab their attention and pull them in. So I think that's really effective. Um, So I also think that things like um, canvas, if you look on Spotify, you go to your Spotify for artists, you can put a little eight second looping video on your song and Spotify claims that you get more engagement and more listens by doing that. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but if you're, you know, working with these DSPs, then you should listen to what their needs are first and, you know, <laughs> help do that. But uh, it, it just reinforces the point that you, you almost need like a creative director for, for your band and it could be the drummer, but you need someone who's editing these eight second canvas videos and 15 second videos, you know, for reels or... All of these little bite-sized chunks that kind of lead up uh, to draw people yeah, in. Absolutely. Uh, the last one on this list, uh, number five,
0: uh, genre lines will blur further. Moods will be more important than genre labels. And we've talked about this as well. It's it, kind of the mood. You know, we grew up in an era when it was all about genres. And now in the playlist era, of course, it is moods. And and then, of course, the blending, you know, just in terms of... of you know, our awareness of what's going on in the rest of the world. And it's, it's obvious that that's going to start having a lot of these blending of genres and of languages and of all kinds of stuff. And that's, that's happening right now. You know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's the, the the continued sort of mashup gumbo of music. And that's always been what music is anyway. And so it's just going to become even more broad and more different influences coming into music that that's going to make, very yeah, interesting. I had stuff. a
1: really interesting uh, conversation uh, last week with a friend of mine from Spotify, and we were talking about how it used to be more genre, and genre certainly hasn't gone away. It's still very powerful. And that's really because uh, streaming was emulating radio, and radio kind of broke things up by genre in, in later years. But it went from genre then to mood, mm-hmm. you know, and now it's going after an audience. So if you listen to pollen on Spotify, that's not genre and it's really not mood. It's really based on a target demographic that they want to reach. And I think that's super interesting. Um, And I think going forward, you're gonna see more and more things. And, And I brought this up before, you and I grew up in an era where we'd turn on the local radio station and it would have Poco and Pure Prairie League alongside of Wild Cherry and Earth, Wind and Fire, I, I didn't know that those were yeah. different. They, it was just they were good right. songs. Stevie Wonder, you know, and it was just like these are just great songs. I didn't know what color Stevie Wonder was or cared, you know, or is that R&B, urban. We didn't talk about those kinds of things. It was just great music. And I would bet, well I know so, but if I looked at your music collection, it's not all EDM, yeah. pop, country, jazz. I can tell, you know, from our conversations, and I think most people Not everybody, but most people listen to music like that, and I think it's difficult to put those things together. But if you do it in the right way, like again Spotify with pollen, for example, it can be highly effective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, really interesting
0: article, and and certainly again worth checking out and checking. uh, And this is kind of all data. You know, these are not opinions; these are based on data, which is fascinating and. You yeah. are the king of data, Jay, because you love this stuff. But it's 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 just fascinating <laughs> to I, kind I of. I do you love. Know, I do love. You data, do, yeah. But I, I really enjoy reading about, you know, what's happening and how it's happening. And again, this kind of gumbo of things that again, the challenge for artists is is you know you are in yeah. charge. Congratulations. The bad news is you are in charge, and and you you can take all this information in and perhaps act upon it. But if at the very least, it just shows you kind of what's going on around you and. Good stuff. Our next article, Jay, from Music Business Worldwide, the three major music companies jointly generated over $20 billion last year. And there's an asterisk to that, actually. Wow. Uh, That's over $2 million an hour. Uh,
1: Yikes, Jay. Pretty soon you're talking about real music, right? I mean, excuse me, real numbers, real dollars. Mm -hmm. Real money. Yeah, exactly. Now, this is by Tim Ingham. Mm -hmm. And if you'll remember, I mean, we talked about this last year. Tim predicted this last year. That it was going to break twenty million. I'm sorry, um, twenty billion with a B, and he was right. Now they're extrapolating a little bit here because Universal's numbers aren- aren- haven't been released yet, but they they have the first nine months of the year, so they can kind of extrapolate out what it's going to be. And it is, I mean, just the growth is is really crazy. Warner Music Group, you know, they've they've announced theirs right. They generated you know five point six billion uh sony uh seven almost 7.5 billion and universal uh they're extrapolating out that that's going to be like uh, well no they said for the first nine months it's 7.21 uh billion dollars and thats we need to look at the growth because yes those are massive numbers but like warner is up almost 21 percent year over year that's crazy. crazy uh their their recorded music division uh you know that was also up 21%. But if you just look at streaming, that was up 24.3% year over year. That's incredible growth. It
0: is incredible growth. And... Um, you know, and, and every time we read these things, I can, I, you know, we, we've talked about this a lot on the show. I continue to think back to we were both at Universal, as a matter of fact, you know, when everything, when the walls were caving in and the studios, Warner Brothers Studios couldn't wait to get rid of the music group, Universal Studios couldn't wait to get rid of the music group. And suddenly, we're back to the way it was, to be honest, before. Everything went went to hell in a handbasket, you know. For a lot of these studios and, and parent companies, music was always a very profitable, um, l- relatively low investment business, and it, it kept the doors open for Warner Studios and for uh, for for. Um, for for well before it was universal, so you know, but they couldn't wait to get rid of it, <laughs> and so now you, you got to yeah. think: are they are they looking at these numbers and going, damn, what were we thinking? Why did we rush to do that? But here we are, we're talking big numbers, and and that the the uh, the the last three months of of universal was has, hasn't been reported. They're they're talking that's going to be another couple billion on the heap. So we could yeah. be talking twenty three
1: billion give or take. So it's it's a lot of. But there were some people out there that were that were not afraid to double That's down. Right. Lucian Grange is mm-hmm. one of them. <clears throat> um, uh, the gentleman uh, from BMG, oh gosh, his name's escaping me. And somebody, you know, I, M- Mike uh, Michael Kaufman's on his walk right now, listening to this podcast, going uh, Marsuch or whatever, because I'm. I'm old and I forget things, but anyway, sorry about that uh, so jumping into Sony, these numbers were even more impressive if you look at sony uh, Sony Music their streaming revenues grew by thirty three percent that's almost a billion dollar increase year over year Unreal. phenomenal yeah. and and their their global
0: music publishing operation had a wonderful year as well, and that's one point seven two billion or up nineteen point seven percent um you know, it, it's these just numbers are staggering. They really are. And, and when we get to Universal, they they said if Universal follows this pattern, and every likelihood suggests it will, it's possible that twenty twenty one could have been the first ever ten billion dollar rev- revenue year in Universal Music Group's history.
1: Ten billion dollars. That's God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's and now you now you know why they're kind of wiping out those unrecouped. Yes. Uh, Dollars that we talked about because they're flush. You know, they're 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 raking in the dough, and they're doing very very well. As you described, the music industry was you know its last gasp, and, and they were selling everything off because it it, it was declining. Uh, you know, CDs were declining, uh, downloads were declining, and now you've got something that is a little bit more predictable mm-hmm. uh, with with streaming. Um, But again, something you mention often, and I think it's something we need to think about, is that no one stays king forever. No configuration stays king forever. No platform. We thought downloads were going to be around Mm -hmm. forever. And that was around the least amount of time of any configuration. Um, So is is there something beyond streaming? Yeah. I don't know. David Bowie always said that it was going to be music was going to be just like turning on the faucet. And, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how things progress. And, you know, the last thing I'll say on it really is, you know, two years ago, we weren't really thinking about, um, Twitch except for gaming. And now it's, it's, it's a real thing for musicians. We weren't thinking about Peloton. Um, we weren't thinking about a lot of these things. So, you know, you kind of look around the corner and make some predictions, like, well, where could it go next? But we do know that this has been, well, 2021 has been just a an amazing year uh, for for the major companies.
0: And and it's so um, interesting to remember because we were there that how how it used to be such a seasonal business, and the, the 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 last couple of months of the year around the holidays was where you really made all your money. But now. I refer to it again as the gym membership model, which is my gym doesn't care whether I go every day or once a month or not at all. They're still getting that x amount of dollars every month, and that that's is, right. That subscription model has changed everything it, for for not only music for television and for movies and everything. So sure, it's, uh, and it's so reasonable.
1: It like a, a subscription is like ten bucks for you know seventy million tracks. I'm one of the people that think that that's uh underpriced Uh, absolutely It, it should it should cost more and i think that's part of our problem as an industry um is that it that hasn't changed and there's such value in that um but uh yeah, we'll see where that goes. That's as well. right.
0: All right. And our last story for the for this episode, Jay, is from Variety. Warner Chapel chiefs draw battle lines in upcoming streaming royalty decisions against Spotify, Google, Amazon, and Pandora. And mm-hmm. this again
1: is talking about fairness, really. <laughs> you know, it's like it is. And this was this was written by Jem Oswad uh, over at Variety. Um, talked about you know, some of these controversies you know, with Spotify have really revived the, you know, the conversation, of you know, these longstanding problems. Uh, the, the royalty rates that not only Spotify, but all of these streaming platforms pay out, um, which most musicians and many rights holders feel are far too low. And we've talked about that a lot on, on this program. Um, and I want to give people just kind of to set the stage uh, for this. What they're really talking about is uh, the Copyright Royalty Board (CRB), and they—you know—it's that three-judge panel that sets the rates that DSPs pay publishers, aka songwriters. So CRB three, and some people refer to this, as Phono three, has proposed that the rate be moved to fifteen point one percent, but. That's supposed, supposedly through 2022, but it never really got uh, ratified because Spotify, Amazon, Google, and Pandora are still appealing that, right? Yes. So this is this uh, CRB thing. Um, so the National Music Publishers Association and MPA, they want DSPs to pay more. DSPs want to pay less. And a couple of other quick points. DSPs are proposing that they drop the songwriter percentage from 15.1, which it's not at yet, (laughs) to 10%, to 10%. And the NMPA is proposing moving it to 20%. So um, the only thing that I want to make sure our listeners are aware of, that it's not just about that rate. It's also what value does that song bring to the DSPs? They, as you mentioned a minute ago, they gain value... Um, in the stock price, in the in the value of the company. And songwriters don't typically participate in that. They also gain revenue or value, you know, like Amazon has Prime memberships and Spotify has those podcasts and merch and that car thing, you know, that we talked about. They have a they also have a, a deal with Shopify that they get a percentage of. And then Apple, of course, they have their whole product ecosystem. So you and I are, <clears throat> excuse me, big fans of paying. Uh, artists when performers when their music is played on the radio we talked about that and we're also big fans of moving that that rate uh, that dsps pay the publishers up uh, to to that 20 so they're more fairly remunerated exactly and stories. just to be clear so in 2018
0: the copyright royalty board they ruled to increase the songwriter rates it was 10.5 percent, and they they wanted to increase it to 15.1. Well, as Jay mentioned, Spotify, Google, Amazon, Pandora, then appealed. So we're still back at 10.5 today, even though it should be 15.1. And now it's time for another uh, four years to get, to get happening, and they want it to be 20, but it's still sitting at 10.5 today. So um, the, 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 the article mentions uh, Guy Moot and Carrie Ann Marshall, who are the co-chairpersons or chairpeople over at Warner Chapel Music, uh, they had written a letter to their writers laying out the situation from their perspective, and it's re- and Variety had gotten the letter. And it's really interesting, because yeah. they lay it out really well. So, so I'm gonna read just a little bit of it. It says, to our Warner Chapel songwriting family, As your partners and your champions, we wanted to let you know about a crucial fight that will determine what you make from streaming both now and in the years to come. In the U.S., there's a portion of your revenue from streaming services such as Spotify, Apple, and Amazon, mechanical revenue that's determined every five years by three judges who make up the Copyright Royalty Board, CRB, in Washington, D.C. By early next year, in a proceeding known as Phono 4, The CRB will determine the mechanical royalty rates that streaming services will pay music publishers and songwriters between 2023 and 2027. They say this is a critical moment. Not only will the CRB decide the future of mechanical royalty rates for streaming, there's also a ripple effect where the CRB's decision can influence other negotiations with streaming services as well as future rates. To break things down even more, these tech companies currently should be paying you 15.1%, the rate that was set by the CRB for 2022, that's back in 2018, in the last CRB proceedings called Phono 3. But instead, Spotify, Amazon, Google, and Pandora have spent more than four years appealing that ruling. While the appeal plays out, they're still paying the rate set by CRB for 2017, which is just 10.5%. That's that's an appallingly low rate, and now some of the biggest and most valuable companies in the world are pushing to extend that 10.5% rate for the next five-year period. On behalf of all songwriters, music publishers, and other trade associations, the National Music Publishers Association, which is the NMPA, the Nashville Songwriters Association International, NSAI, and Songwriters of North America, S-O-N-A, are advocating for an increase to
1: 20% in Phono 4. Powerful. Powerful stuff. And the, the line that jumped out at me in this uh, letter... Um, this is so important. It says, without songwriters, we wouldn't have songs or streaming services. Yeah. There'd be no music business at all. Right. You deserve this pay raise and more. So we've laid out how much money these companies are making. Um, we've talked about Daniel Eck being worth three point something billion dollars. Um, and the ancillary value that they get of these companies on the backs of these songwriters and performers. It's time that we have some transparency and uh, a bit more fairness when it comes to that, as well as uh, as Blake Morgan will uh, tell you, we need to get, in the United States, we need those performers to be paid when their songs are played on the radio and people are making a business out of doing that. Absolutely. Fair. And I come back to my, the word
0: that I keep using, which is it's galling that these guys will, <laughs> these guys and gals will not pay the people that brought them to the party. It's like, you you just ought to be ashamed of yourselves. So on that note, Jay, we need to wrap up episode number 79. Uh, we don't know what's It's the super bowl for us. We're, we're recording on Saturday. So when this gets pl- played, yeah, this, super uh, the super bowl, tomorrow, super bowl, will be old news when this is run, this runs, but, uh, I'm gonna be. I'm excited. I'm gonna be sitting on my couch and just kind of noshing and having having some fun watching the game. Me yeah, too. It should be fun. And yeah. uh, I do. I do know that Jay and I really appreciate everyone listening in. So thank you so much for, sure for checking us out. And I want to thank our our sponsors because they sure help us put this uh, together every week, including Music Business Music Business Association, Bandsugle, Hypod, and Bands in Town. We uh, and also please hit that subscribe button and send us your comments because. Uh, we really we, appreciate, we appreciate it would like to hear what you think and what yes, you uh, want to talk about. So you are a big part of this show as well. So on behalf of my good friend, Jay Gilbert, and myself, thanks for listening in. We will see you next week on episode number 80 of the Your Morning Coffee Woo. podcast.
2: You've been listening to Your Morning Coffee, the weekly music news program for the new music business. Join Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchard next time for the digital music news you need to know.